before you long, the book of Ezekiel. Uh, the book of Ezekiel discusses the destruction of Jerusalem as well as its restoration. Okay, three very important lessons can be learned from Ezekiel. The first is the importance of individual moral responsibility. The importance of individual moral responsibility. The second is Ezekiel teaches that though God is reluctant to discipline his people severely, at times he must. At times he must. And thirdly, Ezekiel talks about, Ezekiel assures us that God will ultimately triumph in history. He will triumph in history no matter what is going on. The Lord, our God, will reign forever. And at this time, um, I want to talk a little bit about the human body. The human body. The human body. Um, our bodies are comprised of various organs, muscles, bones, arteries, uh, veins, all that stuff. And so each one of them that I mentioned has a special place, and it's needed in order to make our body move, breathe, function, uh, like it does on an everyday basis. We just don't get up and think this thing, you know, just happens by itself. God has placed things in us for a certain purpose. There's certain reasons and functions for them. And the funny thing is, if you look at your body, there is an inside as well as an outside. There's the inside as well as the outside. So let's see, we're gonna focus on the inside of the body. So inside you have your brain, which controls thought, memory, emotion, touch, motor skills, vision, temperature, and every process that regulates our body. So you know when a baby gets a temperature and it gets too high above a certain uh, number, then you absolutely uh, wanna pay, pay attention to that because the baby can go into shock. So we want to pay attention to when our, our body, the brain controls the temperature, regulates things. And then you have the liver, which regulates most of the chemical levels in the blood and excretes, uh, excuse me, and excretes a bile which helps carry waste away. Then you have the kidneys. The kidney's main function is to clean the blood of toxins and transform waste into urine. So when people have to go on dialysis, sometimes they're really puffy because the fluid has not left their body because the kidneys are not functioning. That's when we go into kidney failure. And finally, we have the heart. The heart is the main organ of the cardiovascular system, pumping blood around the body as the heart beats. The blood sends oxygen and nutrients to all parts of the body and carries away unwanted carbon dioxide and waste and product. Let me tell you this, you can get another kidney. Matter of fact, you have two, you can, only, you can live with one. A liver knows how to regenerate itself. It can grow back. But when your heart is gone, there is no life in your body. The heart is that important. So as I was doing my research, I got a little excited because things were coming to my, to my mind quicker than I could even write them. And it says to me, and, and, and sometimes you have to realize that things don't are not... Uh, by chance or happenstance, Pastor Caesar, there is a song that says, 
what can wash away all of my sins? And it says nothing but the blood of Jesus. So let's go back to what I said about what the blood does. It carries away unwanted carbon dioxide and waste, sin, a chemical that is something that we don't want in our life, an unwanted waste or chemical. It is nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if human blood can do that much, how much more can Jesus' blood do for us? It is nothing but the blood of Jesus. If God designed us that the human blood can take away oxidants and waste and unwanted chemicals, how much more can Jesus' blood do for us? It says in Ephesians 2 and 4, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Ephesians 1 and 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And in 1 John 1 and 7, it's says but we walk in the light as he is the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin can we thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sins oh I got excited about that because so many times we think it's this and we think it's that and we think it's this but as the songwriter says, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. So as we take a deep dive into the organ that we're going to talk about today, which is the heart. The heart is located in the front of your chest. It sits slightly to the left. Uh, if you ever get gas, that's the first thing you hit right there is your chest. <laughs> and sometimes that gas can feel like a heart attack if you know like I know. So it sits slightly behind, uh, it sits slightly on the left side behind your breastbone or your sternum. Now your rib cage pr uh, protects your heart. And that is why it's so important to recognize and acknowledge our origin as human beings. Again, this thing is not by chance or happenstance. This medical side and this spiritual side are closer than we ever thought. Genesis 2, through 23 says, he used the rib cage to create a woman. Now listen, 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 listen. The rib cage is flexible yet strong to protect major vital organs major vital organs. Can I just talk to my women for a minute? I don't want to exclude the men, but women, let me tell you, we were created from a rib. We were created from a, a, a rib. So we have to learn how to protect our vital organ. Our vital organ is our help meet our husband. We shouldn't be out here slandering him more than the streets. I said it, I'm married for 20 years, going on 21 in 2023, and I said it. A rib is to protect the vital organ. We have to be careful. So it's amazing to me how, the, how God aligns medical science and spirituality together. Okay, if you want to know more women, I told you all to re all told you to register for the women's conference. So let's 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 get a little backdrop. 
the, uh, the parts of the heart, very important. They're like a house. Your heart has walls, chambers, which we call rooms, valves, which we call doors, blood vessels, which is your plumbing, and electrical uh, conduits, which is basically your electricity. And so each one of these parts is intricate to sustaining our life. They work in tandem one with the other. It is not by chance that we say in church to open up the doors of your heart. See how that works? We said open up the doors of your heart. And then the medical, the medical field says that the valves are the door of your heart. The valves of your heart are like doorways between the heart chambers. They open and close to allow blood to flow through. And according to biblical scholars, the doors signify communication and agreement. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat and eat with him and he with me. Revelations 3 and 20. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Matthew 7 and 7. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Revelations 3 and 8. Now, let's talk about what happens if we don't take care of our bodies. If we allow our heart to be affected, we get all manner of diseases. But the one that we hear about most is hypertension which uh, blood pressure, that's what that is, blood pressure. But if we do things like smoke, I don't care what it is, you smoking. You smoking, you smoking, you smoking. I don't care what it is, your lungs get filled up and that messes with your heart. And then we have what we call COPD. Okay, it's a disease, a, de a degenerating disease that will kill everything around the heart. The lungs are tissue. The heart is a muscle uh, uh, with tissue. It'll kill all of that if you smoke. Let's talk about going to uh, Popeye's and Richie's and, and all them things all the time. All that fatty food, fried food. Yeah, God. Had some last night, guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Fatty foods, yeah, all that cholesterol clogs, clogs up those arteries in the heart and then the blood can't pump like it needs to and then you will have what we call coronary attacks and all of this type of stuff. You have to be careful of what you put in your body. I'm not even just talking about physical stuff. I'm talking about you got to be careful, Pastor Caesar, who feeds you the word of God. You got to be real careful who feeds you because you have to understand when things get in you, it's hard to get it out of you. The old saints say sin is easy to get into, but hard to get out of. One, one, one pastor told me it'll keep you longer than you thought you wanted to be kept. You got to be careful of what you let inside of the body. So when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about, oh, I didn't even talk about the salt. 
You put stuff on it before you even taste it. You're dumping the salt shaker on it. I don't care if it's seasoned salt, Himalayan salt, white salt, sodium salt, whatever it is. It is salt. And you put it on before you even tasted the food. And it all affects the heart. We will come to uh, illness. We will succumb to an illness. Okay? And then you have to be careful because once you succumb to this illness, you have to know that it's what we call a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And a heart attack is a sudden coronary artery blockage that cuts off oxygen to part of your heart muscle. Now, when a heart attack happens, you know, a team of people get around you and, and they have a, what they call that defibrillator. Mm -hmm. And I told you that the heart has electrical parts in it. So it sends an electrical shock to your heart. Okay, and this is to get you back you know, just to bring you back. I'm not saying you're normal. I'm just saying we just see this thing going up and down now rather than a flat line. We see that the heart has now been revived, okay? But medical research says you can only do this for so long and for so many times before the heart becomes weak and other means are necessary, okay? So if you have significant heart failure, when the heart is having trouble pumping enough blood around the body, then the ultimate is going to have to take place, and that is a heart transplant. So, let's roll. For the context of our text today, we only use three scriptures in, 30, in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel. But in order to fully understand those three verses, we need to really look back and start at probably about verse 16 and read until the end of the chapter. See, Ezekiel was a prophet of the Lord, also known as the weeping prophet because he cared so much for God's people and his heart was tender. Beginning at verse 16, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel saying, that the past sinful acts of Israel and yet of the of Israel and yet God is merciful and provides restoration to the land in spite of the people the land Israel 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 the people were messed up they did all types of things and we're going to get into that they did all types of things but God was merciful how many, how many times have we done things and God has still yet been merciful? We didn't praise him enough. We didn't pray to him enough. We didn't thank him enough. We didn't, we didn't do any. We didn't say hey to our neighbor. We didn't even say hey to our wife that morning, husband that morning. We didn't even say hey to the dog. But God allowed you another opportunity. He allowed us to live another day. He is a very merciful God, and we thank him for his mercies because they're new every morning. We can't live on yesterday's mercies because we're doing new stuff today. So God gives us new mercies every morning, and for that, we say thank you. 
<laughs> yes, we thank you, God. So when we're talking about, Israel wants to uh, give a, a backward look at, to underscore why, excuse me, Ezekiel wants to give a backward look to underscore why Israel had suffered the past judgments of the Lord. And the prophecy is continuously coming to Ezekiel. God begins to tell Ezekiel, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways. Then God says to people that they were unclean like a woman is at certain times. But then God tells Ezekiel what exactly he did because he was unhappy with the people. He poured out his fury and then scattered the people all over. Then he judged them. And if you continue reading, just like we do, the people became angry with God because of something they did and then talked bad about God talked about God like a dog how many times have God has God done something for us or we thought God was going to do something for us and God said wait not yet I'll do it but just not yet wait or no and then hmm, God told us he was going to do this God said he was going to do that. Bless me, bless me, bless me now indeed. And God didn't bless me. How many times have we talked about God because he didn't do what we thought he was supposed to do? How many times have we talked about him? How many times have we turned our back on God but God never turns his back on us? How many times do we just want to get closed mouth on God, but we want to keep our hands open for the blessing? How many times have we treated God worse than we treat a dog in the street? We don't deserve what God gives us. We don't deserve the favor that he gives us every day. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his kindness. But yet, in spite of our ways, in spite of ourselves, God continues to be merciful. He continues to be loving. He continues to be kind. And for that, we say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. But this is the part, Pastor G, as I continue to read, that got down in my show of Shondo. He says, <laughs> I, the Lord says, but I had concern for my holy name. I had concern for my holy name. Let's take a parenthetical pause right there and ask the question, when is the last time that you had a concern for God's holy name? When is the last time that you had a concern for God's holy name? We care about our husband's name. We care about our job's name. We care about everybody else's name. But when is the last time you had a concern, Sister Angie, for God's holy name? God's holy name. God said, I know y'all done did all this down there over in Israel. I know y'all done did that. Y'all done defied me. Y'all talked about me like a dog. But yet and still, because I'm God and my name means something to somebody else, even though it don't mean nothing to you, I'm still going to do right by you. 
And he did just that. <laughs> the prophecy continues in the following verses, and God begins to pledge to the people of a spiritual renewal. He speaks of a cleansing from sin. He speaks of a new heart of the, uh, of the new covenant, a new spirit or disposition inclined to worship him, and his spirit dwelling in them, enabling them to walk in obedience to his word. See, this is the thing, saints. Israel was a place, and that is good. That's, that's good. Israel was beautiful. It was a place, but just returning back to the land was not enough. They needed to return back to God. They needed to return back to God. A physical destination can never replace a spiritual appointment. A physical destination can never replace a spiritual appointment. And God said to Ezekiel, I need to do a few things for the people. God needed to give them a new heart and pour a new spirit in them. Now let's go back to why you have to get a heart transplant. The heart is not working properly. The heart is not providing the proper nutrients to the body as it was designed to do. The heart has a lack of blood flow causing the tissue in the heart muscle to just basically disintegrate and die. Well, just like the human body, when a spiritual heart attack happens, we need a spiritual heart transplant. Our old heart must be replaced with a new one. David recognizes, come here, brother David. David says in Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. He needed a spiritual heart transplant. In this season of the holidays, D-A-Z-E, I know family has hurt you. I know friends have hurt you. I know this one has done that, and I know this one has done this. I know you thought you were going to get that. I know you thought you wanted this. I know they told you they were going to give you that, and then they gave it and took it back. But in this holidays, D-A-Z-E season, we have to realize that it is now time for us to get a spiritual heart trans. Plant. We cannot go into 2023 with the same heart. Spiritually, we have in 2022. See, where we have, what we have now in, in this heart right now, it has caused us grief. It has caused us sadness. It has caused us depression. It has caused us dissatisfaction, sleepless nights, anxiety, and a host of other things that we can go on and on about because our heart needs to be renewed. Statistics say that if a heart transplant is successful, the person has a 90% chance survival rate after the first year and an 80% survival rate after five years. My question to you, saints of God, is if you don't get the spiritual heart plant you need, what percentage is your survival rate? If you don't get the spiritual heart transplant you need, what is the percentage of your survival rate? Will you make 2023 if you don't make these changes? Hmm. 
And if you make it and if you make it into 2023 with the same heart, how productive, how loving, how caring, how giving will you actually be? Will you be good to anyone? The answer is no. The truth of the matter is you won't even be good for your own self. You won't even be good for your own self. But, told you I wasn't going to be long. The good news is that the bad news was wrong. Okay, I've talked to several heart transplant survivors, and they all tell me that they are glad that they got a second chance of life. They all say that since they had their heart transplant, they feel revived. Science says it's because the muscle that was once damaged is now able to pump adequately and in the manner in which it was created. I'm about to close this thing up, but I want you to know that if a physical heart transplant can do that, how much more can a spiritual heart transplant provide? How much can a spiritual heart transplant produce? No need to guess, I will tell you. We started with David asking God to give him a clean heart and renew the right spirit within him spiritually. And then David says in verse 12, to restore to him the joy. Once you get a spiritual heart transplant, you will get new joy. What hurt you with that old heart won't even matter to you with this new one. You'll walk by and somebody will say something to you and you'll say, what? You talking to me? No, you can't be talking to me because I, 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 I'm changed. I'm different. And Tremaine said, not only have I changed, but it's a wonderful change. <laughs> it's a wonderful change that has come over me. There's this little meme that, that is out, and I, and I love it, and I love it, and I love it. And the lady's standing there, and she's doing something at the time clock or, or something, and she's doing something, and they sitting there, her little co-worker sitting there and said, we can't, we can't stand you. You know we don't like you, Stacia. We don't like you. And she sits there, and she's saying, wait a minute. And she's going through her purse, and she's going through her pocket. And, and, and she said, they said, what you doing? She said, I just want to see if your attitude and you not liking me affected my coin. And it did not. When you get this new heart trans, this new, this new heart, this new heart with this joy, this spiritual heart transplant, honey, they gonna say, Caesar, I don't like you. Gonna say, baby, you don't even matter to me. <laughs> I don't care nothing about you. I don't even look at you the same way. Matter of fact, God bless you and your family. I don't care nothing about none of y'all, cause God has been too good to me. Oh, yes, I thank him. I don't care nothing about that. With this new heart that you're going to get spiritually, you'll have new joy. And it's a joy that only the Spirit of God can give you. It's a joy that's everlasting, a joy that won't ever leave you. How do I know? Because Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. My grandfather used to say it like this, this joy that I have, the world <laughs> didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. You've got to get you some Jesus joy in your life. Then after that, come back, Brother David, don't leave. He said, uh, uphold me 
with thy free spirit. And whatever, 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 whatever you do, don't take your joy from me. When joy is present, we shall have new strength with this spiritual heart transplant. We shall have new love. We shall create new moments, moments that will be kind, moments that will be good. And with this new heart, we're going to give it back to God. We're not just going to keep it for ourselves. We're going to do the will of the Father. We're going to love everybody. Everybody didn't say amen. We're going to love everybody. Everybody. Because that's what God intended for us to do. That's how God created us. That's what we are about. Can you imagine if God didn't love everybody? Woo. Can you imagine if God said, I don't like you because you're this? Can you imagine if God said, I don't like you because you're that? Where would we be? We would not be standing and sitting where we are today. Because without him, we can do nothing. We can do absolutely nothing. So we got to get this spiritual heart transplant under wraps. Because if we don't, we're going to die. It's inevitable, saints, because one of the things that I do know about medical uh, business and science, if you don't take care of what you're supposed to, it will eat at you. It will eat away at you. So the heart, let's go back. The heart is the muscle that lets you uh, uh, walk. The heart is the muscle. We got joggers and runners and, and weightlifters and all them type of people in here. It ain't me, but we got all those type of folks in here. And the heart regulates. So when they running and when they doing all that type of stuff, the heart starts to beat. And then they stop. And then they do this. They still moving because you can't. Yeah, see, that's the thing about it. You got to start slow. You got to build it up. You got to build it up. And then after you do the race, after you ran the race, you come back down and you take your pulse. And once you take your pulse, you say, okay, I'm at so many beats a minute. And you got to watch it. You got to monitor it. You got to regulate it. You got to make sure that it doesn't go out of whack and off the chart and this is that and the other. The heart controls everything. So again, if it's doing that physically, what is it doing spiritually? You've got to have a spiritual heart. You've got to. We got to get a heart where we treat everybody right. Where we're going to praise God's name like never before. Where we're going to honor God like never before. With this spiritual heart, we're going to live a victorious life so that we can live in the land that has been prepared for us. I know I'm going to lose some of you all, but my grandmother said, oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. There to see forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Cares have passed. 
home at last, ever to rejoice. With this spiritual heart, you will be able to see Jesus. With this spiritual heart, you will be able to be in his presence. With this spiritual heart, you're going to know what real love is. Real love. Not that fake love. They love you on Monday and hate you on Tuesday. They with you on Wednesday, leave you on Thursday. Then here they come calling on Friday. And Saturday, you don't see them at all. But Sunday, when you're coming to the house, God bless you. I don't need love like that. I need God's love. God's love. We've got to get a heart like God. And if it is a spiritual heart transplant that you need, you need to recognize that you need it. One of the things that happens in medical science is that the patient is the last one to know. The doctors keep saying, Brother Jason, you need this, you need that, you need this. We take forever to get it, and then we're walking around all bent over. At this point in time, you can't wait. You need to get this old heart out of you, out with the old, in with the new. You can't walk around here not talking to people. Let me tell you, I am a people person. I love people. I really, really do. Even if you get on my nerves, I love you. I do. I love you. I love you. I will talk to you, I will joke with you. Some people don't know how to quite take me yet, but that's okay, you'll learn. You'll learn. But I love people. I love people. And it's because I've seen so many people who were not loved and who haven't been loved. And I'm not talking about that molestation, nasty kind of love. I'm talking about the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. And I will even be more personal with you. The reason why I know about a spiritual heart transplant is because I had one. I had one, y'all. There's things that you all see. You see this and you see that and it's Dr. E and it's Pastor E. But you don't know the hell I went through to get what I got today. You have no idea what it took to get me to this place and to this state of where I am today. I'm so happy I could run around New Circle Road and I don't run. But I'm so happy the spiritual heart transplant that took place. Let me tell you something. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. You've got to decide that you need it. You've got to decide that you need it. And there was a time when I said, Lord, I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being sad. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of going through all this. All over one person who did my mother wrong. And I know it was spiritual because I took care of my daddy to his dying day. And it was him. And I, don't, I wouldn't tell it if I didn't trust you. But God knows. It was he who caused so much 
in my life and in my heart that I couldn't even function. But my mother always said, you're going to need these kids to bring you a cup of water one day. And long and behold, when I got the call, I knew I had a spiritual heart transplant. My daddy lived with me for over six years, and I took care of my daddy. I loved my daddy. My daddy was more precious to me in his last days than he ever was because of the spiritual transformation that took place. And only God could do it. Only God could do it. So I'm talking from experience. You have to have a spiritual heart transplant in order to get to the next level in God. Young people, I tell young people all the time, the Bible says, honor thy mother and thy father so that your days, not theirs, but your days may be old. Do right by your family. Do right by everyone. A spiritual heart transplant is needed. We cannot make it without it. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. The doors of the church are open. We thank God for what he is going to do in here today because I sense that there are some spiritual heart transplants that need to take place today. I know that you came in here one way but you can leave another. Don't let this season fool you and just let, it's, it's just Christmas, it's just Christmas. Because after December 25th, you're still going to need a spiritual heart transplant. So if there's anyone that's, uh, uh, that's in the building and you know that something's just not right, the altar is open. We have pastors and ministers and deacons that are willing to work with you. We have people that are here assigned to, to just be that person that you need to pour into. Yes, God, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we 